0: Welcome to episode three of the Poker Punks podcast. I am going to go over a couple of hands today, and they are all hands that I played against recreational players. For those of you who play a lot, recreational player is somebody who is a player who likes to play the game, but they're not a studied player. They are going to be the majority of players that you find at your local casino, or especially at your local home game with your buddies. They're the type of player who's going to call with any two cards. They think that they're the eternal optimist. They can win with anything. And they're not going to be an aggressive player. They're going to be a very weak passive player. This is a player type that you can exploit as long as you keep in mind that they don't put money in all that bad. They won't put money in drawing dead they are always going to have something that they're calling with. Either they're going to be calling with a draw, they're going to be calling with a middle pair. What you have to do is make sure you keep that in mind that they're not always the easiest player to bluff off of a hand. With that said, let's get to some hands. In this first hand, we are about 800 effective with the villain. We are playing 2-5 no limit at Parks Casino outside Philadelphia, and the hero is under the gun. We have king of spades, queen of spades, and we make it $20 to go. We get calls from under the gun plus one, middle position, cutoff, button, small blind, and big blind. It's a very passive table. We have $140 in the pot going to a flop, and that flop is king of clubs, king of diamonds, 10 of spades. We think that we just smashed the world here. When it checks to us, we decide to just fast play our hand. Since most recreational players will think this is a perfect spot to slow play, when you do the opposite, they're going to give you no credit for having that king. But I also need to get calls from worse hands. So what I decide to do is to bet about $50 or one third pot. By making it a smaller bet, we are incentivizing more calls from hands that we're beating right now. Hands like queen-jack, ace-10, queen-10, jack-10. They can all call a smallish bet here, but if I go too large, they're gonna say, oh, maybe he really does have a king and fold out. To my surprise, I do get called, but I get called from two players middle position and the small blind. That creates a pot of $290 going to the turn, which is the six of clubs. So the board is now king of clubs, king of diamonds, 10 of spades, six of clubs, and we have the king and queen of spades. Since I got calls from both of them, I decide that I can size up a bit here and I lead out for $85 when the small blind checks to me. Again, this is about a third pot size bet because I want to keep any draws in there or any pairs like sevens, eights, nines. Anything that I am beating, I want to get calls from. And by leading out yet again, it should reinforce the idea that maybe this guy really doesn't have a king. The middle position player ends up folding out, but the small blind player now raises to $210. I really can't put him on a strong made hand here. There is a slight possibility that he has King-10, but seeing as though I have a King, there's only one other King in the deck and him having specifically King-10 is really only three combos of that. So I can't necessarily put him on that. Pocket sixes is definitely a possibility but there's only three combos of that available. So with him only having really six combos that beat me, aside from a random ace-king, I really don't think that I have a strong enough hand to really fire back at him because he's check raising a turn after not showing any aggression, pre-flop or flop. So I decide to just make the call here and we have a pot of $710 going to the river, which is the four of clubs. It does complete the club flush. So the board is now king of clubs, king of diamonds, 10 of spades, six of clubs, four of clubs. The villain checks to us and we're not sure exactly what he has. He could have been semi-bluffing with club flush, which we are now losing to, or he could have had a hand like king 10, pocket sixes, something that he's trying to get a second check raise in with. Since we're a little unsure where we're at in this hand and the pot is pretty bloated at this point, we decided to take the route of less variance, so to speak, and we decided to check back and we are kind of completely shocked when the villain turns over the ace of clubs and king of hearts for one of those combos that's beating us in ace king. The reason that I was really surprised that he turned over ace king here was being in the small blind and Me raising and having so many callers behind really should incentivize him to 3-bet and clean up the field. I can guarantee that I wasn't going anywhere if he 3-bet, unless he really made it super ridiculous, like $200 over my $20 bet. But if he took a regular sizing up to probably $140, $150, I was most likely calling with my suited broadways here. But by him not raising, and the fact that he is a rec player, this is a hallmark of rec players. They are only gonna raise aces and kings. Ace-king isn't even in their pre-flop re-raising range. There's even the possibility that they don't re-raise kings here. Probably some of them will only re-raise aces, and even some of them won't even re-raise aces here because they'll think, oh good, I can trap five people with my pocket aces. The other thing that I found very odd about the way this hand played out was on the river, he checked back. And me betting the whole way really should discount me from having a club flush draw because the only hand that really is beating him that I'm betting three streets on here is pocket tents. It's one of those scenarios where he should be betting and if I jam on him, then maybe he has to think about whether he should fold or not. But if he bets out for $200, $300, I'm most likely gonna have to call here with my trips and very good kicker. By not betting the river, he's losing out on a lot of value and he really should have been able to get Maybe not my whole stack, but he should have been able to get me to call a fairly substantial in size, but small in relation to the pot bet on this river card. The next two hands I'm going to go over were a different session, but same game, still 2-5 at parks. And again, this is a situation where understanding your player type, you can take advantage of it. This villain was the effective stack with about $850. He is in middle position and raises to $20. I am in the cutoff with Ace of Hearts, Queen of Hearts, and 3-bet to $85. $85 and only the villain in middle position calls. We have a pot of $177 going to a flop, which comes off nine of clubs, seven of spades, three of clubs. The villain checks to me, and I bet about one third sizing for $55 here, and the villain calls. To me, I'm thinking that there is a good chance that he has some sort of flush draw here, Maybe ace-king, maybe some sort of combo like jack-ten where he might have a flush and straight draw, but since he doesn't play back at me and he didn't four-bet me pre-flop, I'm really not thinking he has too strong of a hand. The two of clubs comes on the turn, making a board of nine of clubs, seven of spades, three of spades, two of clubs. When the villain checks to me again... I decide to bet fairly small again for $115. The thinking here is that as the absolute bet size goes up for a recreational player, the tendency of them calling draws goes down. With this bet size, it's roughly a little over a third of the pot, maybe closer to 40% of the pot, but it should be a high enough dollar value to fold out some of their weaker holdings maybe if they had something like jack 10 offsuit where they don't have the flush draw with it where they're just looking for a gutter ball they probably wouldn't come along the villain does call and i have to put him on some sort of pair or strong draw here so when the jack of hearts comes on the river making a board of nine of clubs seven of spades three of spades two of clubs, jack of hearts, and the villain checks to me, and I brick out, I really start to think, is there any chance that I'm going to be able to get him to fold? The longer I thought about it, the less likely I thought it was that he would fold to any reasonable size bet here. Maybe if I jam, yeah, then he might fold, but if he has a hand like pocket nines, pocket sevens, he is going to snap me off quicker than anything. And the fact is a lot of players who are recreational players, if they flop a set, will play it passively if there's a flush draw out there for one. And for two, they will look for a spot to check raise to be quote unquote tricky about it. With that in mind and the fact that I really didn't think that he was gonna fold very many hands that are better than mine, I decide to check back here and the villain turns over black pocket 10s. I don't really dislike the way he played it. There's definitely in my range all the aces, kings, queens, jacks, but he really could be a little bit more aggressive here if he wanted to be the check call, check call mode really just gives me the chance to run down his tens if I hit my ace or my queen, especially the queen. If the ace comes off he might be able to fold a little easier but if the queen comes off he's more likely to put me on a hand like ace king and call off. Unfortunately with that jack coming off it was really a stretch for me to really be able to represent something like ace jack. I was not thinking that I would really be able to get him to fold a better hand like the pocket tens that he had. By me checking back, I save a bet here, but I put it in the memory bank for later in the session. This last hand that I'm going to go over is against the same villain from the hand before who had the pocket tens. It's only about 10 hands later, maybe one, one and a half orbits later. So not very long after that pocket tens hand. I am the effective stack here with about $700. The under the gun player limps and I am in the hijack with... Ace of diamonds, jack of diamonds, and I make it $30 to go. A little bit on the larger side for the game, but with one limper and it's a weak passive table. When it's a weak passive table, I tend to size up my pre-flop bets to the size where I'm getting one to two callers. In a game like this, if I make it 15, I'm gonna get every pot going five or six ways. And what I tend to do is I'll start roughly anywhere between a $15 and $20 open and depending on the number of calls or folds that I get, I'll adjust up and down accordingly so that I'm not always getting everyone to fold and I'm not always getting everyone to call. In this situation, the villain from the previous hand calls and we have a pot of $67 and we go to a flop of jack of hearts, four of diamonds, seven of clubs. When the villain checks to me, as he did last time, I lead out for $40. This bet is about two thirds the size of the pot, maybe a little under that, and the villain calls. So what I know now is, A, he does put me on a lot of bluffs, and B, he has something strong enough to call even though I have top pair. $147 in the pot. We go to a turn of the two of clubs. So we have a board now of jack of hearts, four of diamonds, seven of clubs, two of clubs. The villain checks to me again and I size up here since I was able to get $40 out of him on the flop. I go for a closer to pot size bet of $125. The villain calls again. So what I am putting together in my head is this guy puts me out there as a bluffer and is more than willing to call me down light. So with 397 in the pot, we see a eight of diamonds on the river. So I have ace jack of diamonds and the board is jack of hearts, four diamonds, seven of clubs, two of clubs, eight of diamonds. When the villain checks again, we decide to size up here and we go for a big one. We bet out $250. Knowing that this villain has been sticky and has put us on a lot of bluffs here, we think that we can get max value with a large bet here that looks polarized. The villain thinks about it for a minute and then calls and we are able to turn over our one pair hand and extract max value from a non-believing opponent. This is a situation where remembering a player's tendencies from prior hands and paying attention at the table, whether you're in the hand with that villain or not, you can pick up valuable information on their betting and calling patterns that you can take advantage of later. So by knowing that this person had pegged me as the type of person who would bluff for three streets, he is going to be then a target for my value range, in this case top pair, top kicker, and we were able to extract maximum value. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast again. It has been a lot of fun making these and hopefully you're liking them. And like I said, if you would like to get a hand of yours on the podcast, go to pokerpunks.com, fill out the hand submission section, and if I choose your hand to be on the pod, I will send you a pokerpunks card protector, looking to make this be an interactive podcast with the listeners, with myself to help each other to find our leaks, be able to fix them and to exploit those around us for maximum profits. So again, if you want to check that out and submit a hand, pokerpunks.com. And in the meantime, run it up the punks.